You're listening to the SCF Youth Podcast. On today's episode, we have our head pastor, Jason Hall, joining us. All right, so like Jeffrey said, we have Jason Hall. He is our head pastor. Uh, He's also the football coach at one of the football coaches at Sparks High. And one of the cool things that you might not know is he also was a youth pastor earlier in his career. So we might talk about that a bit. But I'm going to hand it to Jeffrey to ask him a few questions that are off topic to start this. Right, so the Super Bowl was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about it? Did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. Um, other than I think somewhere in the third quarter, late third quarter, I went to take a shower, so I missed that part. Um, you missed about four punts. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't miss any scoring, um, mm-hmm. which if you watched the game, there wasn't a whole lot of that, right? Um, I thought the defensive line played really well. Um, I think both of them put a ton of pressure um, on the quarterbacks. Uh, I thought defense played phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, they had good schemes, both of them, and um, I think you could tell. Um, I think both defenses played about even, honestly, um, but I think you could definitely see Tom Brady's experience um, over Jared Goff. Jared Goff looked like he was in over his head yesterday, um, which is understandable because he's a you know basically a second-year starter, so... Um, you know, I think that's just – it goes to show the difference. And and I think if you listen to the Rams coach, Sean McVay, last night, he basically admitted I was outcoached. I think he was right about that, that the Patriots' offensive plan looked was a little bit better than the Rams was yesterday. So That was going to be my follow-up question was, you compared the experience of Tom Brady to Jared Goff. How would you compare the coaching styles – since you are a coach mm-hmm. – uh, how would you compare the coaching styles of Bill Belichick, which is the Patriots' head coach, to Sean McVay, which is the Rams' head coach? So Belichick started and still is a defensive-minded guy. He was a defensive coordinator. So um, I think he really approaches it from how do I, how do I, kind of stop or mitigate the, the offense of the other team first. Um, Sean McVay obviously is an offensive kind of minded coach. He's a genius offensively in many ways. Um, but again, he's a guy who's a second-year head coach. Um, he's still coaching the league. By far, he's only 33 years old, yeah. right? So, I mean, okay. I'm 44. He's 11 years younger than me. Um, and so he's uh, younger than some of his players. Um, so I think he's going to be a really successful coach moving forward. But um, I always tend to think if you have an offensive-minded coach and a defensive-minded coach in a really important game, uh, the defensive-minded coach probably has a bit of an advantage. Um uh, because offensive coaches, uh, and, and for me, I've been an offensive coach most of my life, um, and I've been an offensive coordinator for a, for a long time. I think offensive coordinators tend to overthink things sometimes. Um, they try to do too much, be too cute, um, rather than just doing the things they do really well. And defensive coaches tend to do the opposite, I think. They tend to just do what they do well. And uh, and I think in big games, simplicity is always is always a beautiful thing. I think in life, simplicity is a beautiful thing. And I think... Uh, uh, that, that's a good kind of analogy for life, right? In football, the more you overthink it, the worse it tends to go. I think in life it's kind of the same thing. The more you overthink it, the worse it tends to go probably. so. And I, I know you talk more about college football than I think mm-hmm. NFL. You, you like college football? Real football. College football, okay. yeah. So I, I know your college team. I don't know your... Southern team. football. Right. Real football. Hmm. Well, it's the only ones that have that passion level, I think, to be That's honest. a religion. 
Yeah. And it's a better religion than some other religions, honestly. <laughs> Such a great statement. Uh, so, if you had, do you have an NFL team that you choose? <clears throat> so I grew up a Falcons fan um, because where I'm from in Florida is only like three hours from uh, from Atlanta, and so. Um, None of the people listening to this podcast will probably know these names, but uh, Steve Bartkowski, uh, who was the quarterback for the Falcons like in the late 70s, early 80s, when I was like five or six years old, he actually was a guy who graduated from He was from University of California, so Cal Berkeley. Okay. He was a California guy, but I loved him growing up. I had his picture on the wall and all that, and they had a receiver named Billy White Shoes Johnson. That, that, there's your name. There's um, and uh, Did he wear white shoes? He did. I am curious. He did. That was back in the day when everybody only wore black cleats. <laughs> And so Billy White Shoes Johnson, and he was one of the first guys to dance in the end zone when he scored. Mm-hmm. Um, before like Dion Sanders prime time and all that, Billy White Shoes Johnson was like prime time before prime time. Okay. And so I, I loved uh, the Falcons growing up. But then my wife and I both went to college around Tampa, and so I'm kind of a Bucks fan at times just because um, we went to games when we were in college and watched the Bucks play some, and so. Um, and Tony Dungy was the coach at that point. Who I really, uh, I really like Tony Dungy as a coach and as a man. He's a he's a pretty he's a pretty good dude. So, so. so Whitney, we were watching the the game with the twenty sevens group, and Whitney um, said, "She's like, look, I don't like Tosh, Daniel Tosh that much, but my favorite thing he's ever said." was football would be a lot more entertaining if it was actual Buccaneers against actual Bears. And I'm like, yes, that makes sense to me. Like, that that would be a great game to watch. But, hey, um, you were a youth pastor. Um, how long were you in youth ministry? About 10 years. So what's your, like, favorite youth ministry story? <laughs> so the first church I worked at in youth ministry was a church in Miami, and... Uh, it was a, uh, about 1,500 people, and we had probably about 250 kids in the youth group. So it was a pretty big youth group. Um, but this was back in, like, 2000, around the turn, or 2000, 2001. Um, and I was only, like, 23 or 24, so I was pretty young at that point, um, 25 maybe. Um, and so all the kids there were uh, Latino, right? So uh, I was the only white. In fact, church was 1,500 people. There were six white people in the church. Susan and I, my wife and I, two whites, and then there were four Canadians, and I really don't count them, right? Oh. So, you know, in the same way. They so were, now I know why you get upset with me loving hockey so yeah, much. Yeah. You just don't like Canadians. Canadians are Canadians are kind of like yeah, yeah, whatever. So, um, so anyway, um, <laughs> I grew up in uh, in the South and loved wrestling, professional wrestling, which. That was that time frame. So right? it I was. was. I would have been one so, of your students. At so the NW, so NWA, Ric Flair, Ric Flair, my favorite, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. Um, so we started our own wrestling federation in the youth group. Yes. And we had like a, alliances and characters, and every time we would go on a trip, we would have like royal rumbles, and so we would literally clear out one hotel room. We would just mattresses clear everything out. Right? And we would clear out all the furniture out of one room and just bring all the mattresses into one room. This is like, and this is straight out of lay, my youth ministry lay, story. Lay, freaking lay, lay it on the floor. And then it would start with two and it was a true Royal Rumble. Every minute somebody else would come in. And we'd have like 30 people and like four different federations. And every federation had their own t-shirts. Nice. Right. Um, and... Uh, 
And because there were a lot of Latinos, we had some like Luchador. true lucha, luchadors, yes. right? Like luchador masks, everything. Um, and so I really, that's probably one of my favorite things is to this day. So that was Did 17, 18 years ago. I still get messages from dudes who are like now in their 30s. <laughs> Wearing their shirts that are too small. Yes. Like, awesome. See, okay. And we Sean, still wear each other. We this still... is what uh, why I wear small shirts. Because I am that kid from his ministry, just on the other side of the country, like to a T. This is great. So, and they still ref- we still refer to each other by the wrestling names. And your wrestling name was um, the Raging Redneck. Mm. Appropriate. Beautiful. I I guess I because I was the only white person. We were almost exactly the same. <laughs> I was doing this more with my brothers, my older brothers. And I was known as the worm because no one could keep me in a hold. I could just wiggle out of anything. And so I was the worm, which is the worst name possible, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it figures into why you chose the music that you were talking about earlier. We're not mentioning that. Move on. Move on. <laughs> awesome. Um, so you, you've been a youth pastor and mm-hmm. then... Coming up in the week after Easter, we are going to be joining into one service as like as a family, as one community. I'm super excited sure. about that. Um, one of the reasons I'm excited about that is all of our regular teachers currently are all ex-youth pastors or myself. Mm-hmm. And so um, is there anything that like, does that excite you at all to have like students back in the room or does it like, yeah, whatever, or what, no, what does that look really, like for you? I think it's really good. I mean, I, you know, I think... One of the things I believe is that, like, youth ministry is not designed to create, like, compliant Christian teenagers. Like, it, it's really meant to be, it, it's meant to be the way they fully, not only participate in the church as they are in that moment, but also to really prepare them for kind of adulthood in that way, right? So, like, um, you know, one of the things, if you spend time in youth ministry, you notice this. There's this huge gap that when kids graduate from high school, they tend to disappear from the church often. I think sometimes, uh, and I and I know this looking back on my own youth ministry days even, that I don't know that I always fully prepared them well. We did a great job of making them feel at home in a youth ministry. Mm. Sometimes the biggest challenge for us was making them feel like they were part of the church in a bigger way. Um, and so I think looking back, I would have really welcomed something like this as a youth pastor. I said, listen, this is a way for, um, for our students to really see that they are, they're part of the church, not just the youth ministry. Right. Right. Um, and I think, you know, from a teaching perspective, um, you know, I work really hard to make sure that, um, number one, I don't think I, you know, if you're a 15 or 16 year old, I know 44 sounds really old, right? It did to me when I was that age. Um, but I know for me, uh, you know, I, I don't feel 44. I feel like I probably communicate younger than I am. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, and I've got a couple of kids who, you know, are uh, 14 and 12. And so I like to think that, um, you know, I know this. I. My son and I probably listen to some of the same music, right? Some of um, uh, Kendrick Lamar is one of my favorite artists, right? Like just because he's a guy that if you listen to his music, man, he's really trying to figure out what does it look like to have these experiences that don't point to the idea of a God or a truth, 
but I know inside me there is, mm. right? Like, how do I weigh the tension of that stuff? And I think for me, that's, I, ref, I, I you know, I, I can identify with that. That for me, faith is not this clear-cut thing all the time. It's, 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 it's the tension of trying to figure out what is true in light of my experience. Right. Right. And I think for me, that's what we try to talk about on Sundays a lot is I'm not here to try to convince you of something. I'm not trying to hear I'm not here to tell you how to live this out necessarily. Um, I think what church should do and what youth ministry should always do, there's a say it's the same thing. We should provoke people to look for truth. And if I could say anything to an adult, a teenager, it's be a seeker of truth. Be diligent about seeking truth. Right. Right? Um, because at the end of the day, if you seek it, you'll find it. I believe that. And, um, and I think that's relevant no matter what age you are. Um, yeah. If you're 15, seek truth. If you're 85, seek truth. Never stop that journey. Never stop that, that kind of quest. And, um, and so I think that's where um, it's relevant to all of us, is that we're all on the same journey and that no matter how long we've been, we're in the journey, we're no closer to the answer. Uh, it's a constant journey, and so um, you know, I think that's that's what excites me is that I think um, it's funny to me. It, you know, sometimes you hear churches say things like, "Well, we really value family," and the first thing we do when the people's right. families show up at church is we split them up. Right? That's such a stupid thing to me in many ways. Um, and so I love the idea that our that, that teenagers are going to be able to worship in the same setting as their parents, right? Um, for those who, whose parents attend. Well, I think about it too. We've got right now we have two of our high school boys that are on the worship team. Yeah. And we got one of our middle school boys who's ushering, which is awesome. And, and we look at them and we want to encourage <coughs> that, but at the same time, if they do that, like especially the worship team, they can't go to grow groups because they're in worship practice and they can't go to Sunday morning because sure. they're serving and playing on stage and so it's like man we want to encourage you to get involved with the church at large but then you have to choose between your community or serving and yeah. I don't want to see that and so I'm excited to just see like like you said this becomes our church mm-hmm. rather than segregating it down and, and we get to serve our church and attend our church and be there as one big family. I'm, I'm super excited about all that. Um, well, I think it also recognizes the fact that just because you're 13 or 16 or 17 or whatever, it doesn't mean you can't think about these bigger issues. It's, you're, 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 you're capable of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I think uh, we recognize that, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, that's really the time that you're weighing a lot of those issues, right? Um, and you should be able to do it kind of in a place where you're able to ask people who maybe have a little more, I don't want to say wisdom, but a little more experience. Mm-hmm. And maybe have gone through those same things. You ought to have some sense of relationship with those people where you feel like you can ask. And certainly you can do that in youth ministry with youth leaders and all of those kind of things. But there's nothing wrong with expanding that community, exactly. right? Creating more conversation. And so... Um, you know, and, and I think, to be honest with you, not only is it good for teenagers, but it's good for adults to see teenagers engaged in worship and to, and to see them as part of the, mm-hmm. the entire congregation. Um, uh, and that's what really maybe that combined service does. It, it serves both ways well. 
Um, and so it's a change. It's different. Um, it, 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 it will have its challenges, but um, challenges are not necessarily bad. Did you have any questions specifically you wanted to ask him? I mean, you, you touched on this a little bit earlier of advice that you have is always seek the truth. Um, I know that there's parents out there that listen to this podcast that have their kids in youth ministry, and I know there's students in the youth ministry who listen to it. Uh, I was just wondering, do you have any advice directed towards parents of middle school, high school mm -hmm. ranged that are kind of trying to pour into their kids but not trying to control them and then mm -hmm. giving them enough space but not allowing them to do bad things like where do you uh what's your biggest advice to uh kind of give the parents of uh the students yeah so i think you know i mentioned earlier i'm kind of that parent as well right now um and just because i serve in the role i serve in doesn't make it easier for me um and so that's a struggle i have honestly um you know i would encourage parents um give your kids rooms to room to explore right uh, but also engage conversation right share your struggles in your faith because you have them right don't try to present this front that is not true mm. right talk about your questions talk about your um your struggles in your own faith because that gives your kids space to do the same thing and they need that um to be honest i, I there's nobody who's ever existed that didn't go through a crisis of faith at some point Give your kids room to go through that. In fact, walk through it with them. And the way you do that by, is by acknowledging your own struggle. Um, and so, um, you know, I think one of the things my dad taught me in exploring my own faith, and he did this really well with me, I think, was he taught me to question everything. I think it's good to question. Right. Mm -hmm. Because questions will lead you to truth if they're honest questions. And you really pursue it. Um, and so... Um, Rather than giving your kids ultimatums or statements, ask them questions. Help them to ask questions. Um, and, and don't feel like you have to give them answers, right? Most questions are not necessarily in seek of an answer. Um, they're a way of processing information, processing my own thoughts and, and beliefs. And I think that's really important, um, you know, that... Uh, Nobody's faith should be fully formed at 13 or 14 or at 44, right? Faith is, a, mm -hmm. is an ongoing journey. Yeah. And so um, don't be that parent that kind of takes the, uh, puts on the mask of your faith being fully formed because it's not, right? And if it's not in you, don't expect your 14, 15, 16-year-old to have it fully formed as well. Um, and this is something I struggle with. My wife and I both just we're busy like every other parent probably. Um, and it's something that even this week, uh, I, I'm trying to make an effort to be better at. Um, figure out a way to, whether it's through you version or something else, read the scriptures together with your kids. I think that's a, one of the benefits of, we're going to be in the same room. For sure. We're going to be going over the same topic. So let's take the, the small group questions on the back of the notes or as we, you know, put up a topic to discuss on that Sunday, you know that. You're, you're, as a student, your parents heard the same thing, so go have a discussion with that and follow that through. That That's a huge ex win for me that we get to be on the same page. But then, yeah, version for sure is another awesome 
opportunity to dive in together. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of the things that we're creating as a family, a reading plan. And we can all read it during the day, and then we can talk about it for five or ten minutes, you yeah. know, most days. And, um, and I think, you know, there's no perfect way to, to spiritually parent necessarily. Um, there's just intentional ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think if you intentionally engage your kids um, and you give them space to ask questions and to doubt when they need to doubt, um, doubt is not a bad thing. Right, doubt is a way of processing, like anything else, and um, and so I think you know it's easy as a parent to to be afraid um, for your kids, but fear is never a good way to parent. Fear, fear, fear is a way to control. Uh, fear makes us want to control things, um, and that's a horrible way to parent. Um, and especially in this, you know, listen, we live in an era where we have helicopter parents and lawnmower parents and all that stuff. That's a quick way to get your kids to not like you very much. Yeah. Right? And I'm guilty of both of them at times. And so I struggle with that like everybody else. Um, but I want my kids to feel like they can come back when they're 25 and have a conversation. And that doesn't happen when they're 25. It happens now. Um, I have to create that space now. Right. Right? Intentionally. It's not up to my kids to do that. It's up to me um, to let them know that. And um, I'm like every other parent. I do it. Not nearly as well as I would like to, but um, I would say let your kids see your spirituality um, as it is, not as you think they should see it. Right. And to flip this, I think a lot. I know a lot of our students are in positions where um, either they they don't live with their parents, mm-hmm. they live with their parents, and their parents don't value the same things we do as sure. the church, or or they live with their grandparents, or whatever that search circumstance might be and everything Jason just said for advice to a parent to their student I think is absolutely valid to flip that as if you are the spiritual parent in your home and you are the student who does pursue following Christ and you're don't put on that front that you have everything together and you know what's going on be vulnerable with your parent that maybe doesn't believe mm-hmm. and have that same attitude and that same heart and that's how you open that conversation and continue that walking alongside when it just is difficult um, so I think I think that's what my mind was going to as you were talking it's like I have certain students in my mind like oh they need to hear this for how they interact with their family mm-hmm. um, so I'm hoping that they're listening and got something out of that so hey um, we are at our time for this episode so thank you for talking with us um hopefully we'll be able to grab you in the future for a little bit more discussions um but yeah thanks for listening to the scf youth podcast don't forget that change doesn't happen until easter um but on the 20th um we are moving our thursday night program to wednesday night so that's the 6 30 to 8 just like normal it's the same grow groups we're just shifting it to wednesday to make it a little bit more accessible for more families um so that is coming up in a few weeks on the 20th and we'll see you there have a good week